if you take a lot of our um, practices and you could match them up with a mainstream sort of um, technique of some type of therapy, you'll find that they're pretty much exactly the same. So, you know, that deep listening to countries around meditation as well, you know, being aware and present in the moment. Welcome to Yoga with Impact a podcast interviewing experts who are sharing yoga and healing practices in diverse communities. My name is Danielle Beck, and I'm the co-founder of the Yoga Impact Charity, an organization sharing evidence-based yoga with groups of people healing from trauma globally. Today, I'm talking with Sue Ann Hunter, a Wurundjeri woman working to support healing in the Aboriginal community. Sue Ann has worked in the Aboriginal child and family welfare sector for 18 years. She's experienced in a range of therapeutic interventions and brings a cultural lens to her therapeutic work with the Aboriginal community. I talk with Sue Ann about the importance of connection to country, the complexity of intergenerational trauma, the value of deep listening and connection to culture, and Suanne shares her advice for anyone looking to make a positive change in the world. Today I'm joined by a special guest, Suanne Hunter. Suanne is a proud Wurundjeri woman who is working to support cultural healing of the Aboriginal community. Thank you for joining me, Suanne. Thank you for having me. Suanne, can you start by telling me a little bit about your background and how it led you to where you are at the moment? Okay, so as you mentioned, I'm a, a very proud Wurundjeri woman. Um, yeah, I, I didn't set out to be in this space, I think, is the, is sort of the first thing. I think I just was guided to wherever, you know, um, my learnings and my teachings or my studies sort of took me. So um, I grew up in Melbourne um, and I wasn't you know, really overly interested in any sort of study at all. So I had a few different jobs in a few different fields and um, they weren't really fulfilling and one of the things I really wanted to do was work with uh, my community um, and so I did that um, and started working as a, a sort of a caseworker in out-of-home care and then I stuck at that for like 18 years in the one agency and ended up being um, principal prac, so overseeing all the state's practice. But within that, um, time I was really fortunate I was able to do lots of study lots of training um, and and so um, you know numerous um, I guess different uh, types of therapy in different disciplines um, and one of the things I love doing is pulling things apart and putting them back together with culture as the base um, and I really loved learning about um, it's funny as it sounds love learning about trauma and you know, how it affects our body and our brain and then our responses and really applying that culturally. And I think, um, you know, that's sort of where I started to understand not only, you know, myself as an Aboriginal woman but the community and the, the traumatic events that people have been through and how they carry them into today. And it's just become this this passion of seeing people and have these, you know, aha moments or be able to relate and understand why they do the things they do or how history has played a part in them today. And um, I've got a bit of a passion for that as well as um, particularly children, um, our kids, and, and hoping that, 
you know, that we can heal through their generation um, and you know, just make it a, a better, better space for them to be able to exist in. It's interesting to hear that you hadn't intended to do any study. Um, we first crossed paths at Harvard Medical School's Global Mental Health and Trauma Recovery Program. I know. <laughs> I, I was immediately impressed by your approach and the way that you've integrated so many different learnings. And we recently collaborated on a connection to country meditation. Uh, I was wondering if you could talk with me about the inspiration behind that. Yeah, so, um, you know, COVID uh, had hit. Um, so we were in, or I'm in Melbourne, based in Melbourne, and so we pretty much went into a lot of full lockdown. Um, and as an Aboriginal community, you know, we're really community orientated and being around people and um it become we started to become this disconnect um and people were doing you know you're doing lots online and you're doing um you know reaching out in this different sort of way but it's you know not the same um and there were people struggling with um their mental health and you know there's just a range of sort of issues for the community although in saying that um people are really innovative of staying connected um and so sort of thought, what can I give back um, in a way that will help or assist people? So what tools or resources could I put out there? And um, for a long time I wanted to do some meditation um, meditations around country and I never sort of got around to them. And I think the beauty of me doing it was that um, you had reached out to me and we were talking about it and we just did it. Um, so getting it, you know, just down and, and doing it and, and having... I think having you alongside me sort of helped um, to just make it happen um, and, it, and it, we did make it happen. So, yeah, and the, the amazing feedback that I've been getting since. Um, the feedback's been incredible. We've yeah. received so many comments from people from all walks of life talking about what a powerful meditation that it is to start their day or to start a yoga class that they're doing um, and I've seen that it's been shared, you know, at least over 100 times and it's been viewed over 1,200 times since it's been launched. Um, why do you think it's resonated so much with people? Um, I think because it's that um, just connecting to the, the elements of, um, you know, the country and being, um, particularly for the lockdown in Melbourne, being able to take your mind somewhere else, um, you know, and country is really important aspect of, of life for our mob. And so I think that resonates with a lot of, um, a lot of us that are trying to find something to connect with. Um, and I think being sort of, um, you know, the, the elements of nature, um, and also bringing in the ancestors and, um, you know, mm. before time, that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's um, I think within that um, my daughter heard it, um, so she's done her own in her own little voice, which has been shared quite a few times as well, um, and that's about the voice of the child coming through as well. 
So I don't know. I think um, it's just really simple. It's not complex. It's not something you have to learn. You just sit there and listen um, and just go with it. So, you know, a bit of relief from COVID at times was probably really good for people. Mm. Simple is is a lot of the time um, the best and we'll definitely pop a link to your daughter's meditation in the podcast notes as well. Um, you're a, a therapist specialising in trauma and I want to pause to reflect on the complexity of your healing work and I just want to share just a couple of statistics. Um, one in 12 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander adults are part of the Stolen Generations. In 2008, 8%, which is 29,900 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people aged over 15 years, stated that they'd been removed from their natural family. And Aboriginal men and women have an average life expectancy of eight to nine years less than non-Aboriginal Australians. Do you mind sharing some information about intergenerational trauma how does it differ in complexity, say, to a one-off traumatic event that someone might have experienced? So um, those statistics, um, you know, although we talk about, um, you know, stolen generation, they are passed down through um, different aspects of the family without really knowing um, or understanding. So there's a few, I guess, you know, different types of, of trauma. There's the individual trauma, there's the um, cultural trauma, and then there's the community trauma. There's just different layers of, of sort of what it looks like. But the complexities of working um, in a healing space with um, our mob is really, it's tricky because everybody's individual. Um, and everybody has their own story about what um, you know what what it looks like for them and their experience. Um, my majority of my work has been within the out of home care um, sector, um, and those statistics um, at the moment are like uh, one in ten rather than, you know, of children being removed. So it's higher than stolen generation. And that's increased over 10 years. And so for the next 10 years, it's going to, unless things change, it's going to um, increase again. Um, and so the complexities of, of, I guess, working, because you can't work in isolation. So uh, working with the children and then working with the family um, and everybody comes with something a little bit um different and so there may be you know I've come across things from you know racism that that plays a big part that the removal um the just numerous the the systemic racism the system that's broken um you know poverty um mental health issues um being lost to their connection of um, culture and community. Um, there's just so many factors involved. It's a bit, a bit like an onion. So, you know, there's always something around the corner that's, that's sort of surprising. But the thing that 
I've found is what do they want to work on and where do they want to be and get to. So um, I'm really big on making sure that I'm not the person picking what to work on or how to work on it. Um, That's about what they feel they need to heal. And so the spaces I'll do that in is depending on what the issue is. So, you know, depending on what um, therapeutic mode I would use. But there was always always an element of culture involved within that that healing space. Um, It's really tricky, I guess. Um, But I think... I'm just just trying to reflect on it, and there's so much in it that it's really hard to pinpoint, um, you know, the different aspects of, of, I guess, what's going on. Does that make sense? It does. It sounds like there's a lot of listening involved in your techniques and and in your healing. Um, All of your scientifically-based healing techniques are integrated with cultural wisdom. Um, can you share with me a powerful healing approach from your toolkit that has universal application and and talk briefly about its power? Didiri's become quite uh, well known and that's listening to not just the person's story but listening to be, giving them um, the words to narrate what they're feeling in their body but also teaching them to do that deep listening for their own um, healing out on country. It's like when you people feel they need to fill spaces with words and I think sometimes even the honour of someone sharing their story but stopping in the middle of it to really think about it and reflect doesn't mean we need to fill it or we need to fix it. I don't, I don't think I fix anything, I think, they do their own work and that's what I, you know, I facilitate I facilitate the healing. Um, it's not me that does anything. So I sort of guide them and they do um, you know, all that all that work. The the other um I guess the other thing is around I might use something like tapping or EMDR, um, which is about movement of the body. And I think um you know, we do lots of cultural dance. I'm really lucky and connected with that. So lots of movement and dancing. And I think the thing in that and singing in language is is really connects us to culture. And, you know, I could have the crappiest day ever and then I've got, you know, to meet the others and we've got something on and we have to do some dancing. And I know, I already know because we've done it for so long, that by the time I finish that, because I've been connected to my family um, in the dance, to ceremony, in the singing, um, using language, the rhythm, the, you know, patterned repetitive rhythm that I'm always going to walk away feeling so much better. Um, And so I think if you take a lot of our um, practices and you could match them up with a mainstream sort of um, technique of some type of therapy you'll find that they're pretty much exactly the same so you know that deep listening to country is around meditation as well you know being aware and present in the moment um there's lots that actually um if you can translate them into a mainstream therapy you'll see that there's scientific sort of proof behind them of, of what um 
what they do for the body and the brain. Sue Ann, how do you nurture your own healing? Well, you know what we're like? We always don't do what we tell everyone else to do. Um, I think mine is really um, family. It's been a bit disconnected at the moment because um, so Wurundjeri have uh, a group of women that um, sing and dance in language um, on our country. We're, We're really privileged and I'm honoured to do that and and that sort of helps with my own staying sane and, you know, um, in such a busy world. Um, But because that's been um, sort of disconnected, one of the things is really just connecting with family, which has been my daughter, Um, and we're making a a possum skin cloak at the moment, so really connecting to culture um, and just sort of, you know, being, I think, in that in that space. Yeah. Beautiful. What advice do you have for anyone who's looking to facilitate positive healing in the world at the moment? Oh, I I think I think if you want to be in that space or you're really drawn to that space, and I think anybody can do it. I just think it's just go for it. Don't be, it doesn't need to be complex. Um, and, yeah, just do it. I think for me the real learning out of our, our meditation is sometimes we hesitate at things or doing them and we might worry about what others think or um, their responses to it. Um, but through that meditation, nothing but love and, you know, beautiful um, positive words around it um and I think we hold ourselves back so if anybody wanted to facilitate anything positive um be it a message be it a dance a song whatever and however they want that facilitated be it online or you know who knows I think the the fact is just do it because um you never know like where where that'll end up and who will reach and even if it reaches one person then um, I think sometimes that's, you know, more than enough. So. Mm. Sue Ann, we're so lucky that you'll be a faculty member on the 200-hour yoga teacher training that the Yoga Impact Charity are hosting next year. How can other people or organisations get in touch to learn more about your work? Um, so I have a website um, which is um, under Sue Ann hunter.com you know i'm happy to always um help where i can and um if i can't i'm happy to always uh connect people um for people in other spaces so um particularly around cultural work so yeah beautiful thank you sue ann thank you for sharing your wisdom thank you for having me You can find links to Sue Ann's connection to country meditation, her daughter's meditation, and information about Sue Ann's Aboriginal cultural consultancy in the podcast notes. In the next episode, I'll be talking with Giovanna Heyman, founder and director of Accessible Yoga. For more information about the Yoga Impact Charity, including our recently launched 200-hour yoga teacher training and the ways that we're having impact, you can head to our website.